Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. I am your host, Drew Addison, and with me, as always, is the current alumni president and my beautiful wife, Yvonne Addison. How are you today? Good. How are you doing, Roadrunner Nation? And we have a special guest today, the College of Engineering Alumni Council vice president so it's an executive role jake paul thank you so much for joining us man yes thanks for having me a lot of exciting events ahead if you don't know jake by just listening to his voice i'm sure you've seen him around at most utsa events as he's a a diehard runner fan and former member of sosa correct yeah yeah. what'd you play what'd you play uh i played saxophone and yeah um i was with the uh the the first year of the band oh wow so you were out on the field with connor and shelby when we interviewed them a couple yes Yes. Uh, I i was there for them as well Yes. Awesome. Nice. Very nice. cool. So you're an engineering alumni from the College of Engineering? Yes. I graduated in 2017 with a civil engineering degree, uh, undergrad, and uh, from there I started working in San Antonio. There, there is some strategy on having Jake on the show today as the show today is with Dean Joanne Browning, one of Yvonne's BFFs. Dean Browning, she's the best. Such a <laughs> She's such a wonderful, not only a leader at UTSA, but she's become a dear mentor and friend. So I'm so excited that we got to do an interview with her. Yeah, it's such a good interview too. But before we jump into that, I do have to make mention that we are 6-0. and So uh, talk about a heck of a game against WKU. I'm a little nerve-wracking there, but you know when the team jumps out with such speed and gets points on the board so quickly, mm-hmm. I mean, that momentum, the main thing is just holding on to that. But we are proud of the team and the coaches and the staff and the alumni that were out there at the game. So yes, um, those away yes. games, you know, we're seeing that UTSA crowd getting bigger yeah. and bigger. My so. head is still spinning. <laughs> <laughs> it is homecoming week. Woohoo! Yay! Yeah. So we have the alumni tailgate happening at the ESPY once again. And uh, there's a lot of really great other events that are happening as well. So Best Fest. Best Fest. So Best Fest is tonight. Enjoy all the fireworks yeah. and the food and the games. And it's so. free to get in. Mm-hmm. It's going to be right in front of the Convocation Center. So... UTSA students will probably remember the location, and if or if you're an alumni and you've been before, it's a great time. Come out, lots of food, lots of rides, fireworks, music, and it's free to get in. And then you purchase tickets for your food and drinks, and the revenue goes towards the student organizations. So it's a great way to come out and community. Everybody can help support our student organizations. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be out there. Yay! Awesome. So give Jake a high five when you see him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me a birds up too. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> I'm sure that was his College of Engineering polo on so he'll be one of those out there running around with that on there so (laughs) see if you can't find him and track him down and that said too i brought up the sb so a really great event every home game we've been out there great turnout i would imagine for homecoming it's going to be highly attended you'll also catch jake and myself both on dueling alumni council tables there representing jake manning the college of engineering table alumni council and then uh, myself on the college of business alumni council table uh, saying hello to all the alumni. Yeah, just so you know, Drew, we are bringing the most rowdy engineers in the state of Texas. Nice. So that's who you'll be dueling. Well, I'm going to keep my table top secret. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't unveil your full playlist. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of what school you graduated from, come and say hi to us. It's going to be hard to miss us as we'll be on the, the main apron going down to where all the tables are at. Pop in, say hello, and we'll share a drink with you or share some stories. And, 
and hang it, out. And if you need to purchase tickets for Roadrunner Nation Tailgate, which includes getting a chance to meet Jake at the College of Engineering <laughs> Alumni welcome. Council table, or a chance to meet Drew at the College of Business Alumni Council table, you can find tickets either through Facebook. Both of those councils have Facebook pages you can go to, and they've posted the link. It's also posted on Twitter. Or you can go to eventbrite.com and search for the Alumni Association tailgate. And links for both of those councils are on there. So they've got, you can purchase a ticket for either one. It'll all get you into the tailgate. It'll all get you access to all the fun food and drinks and a great time before the homecoming game. Exactly. And we're just out there trying to increase the numbers of the UTSA Alumni Association membership. So the Eventbrite does give you the opportunity to renew your membership. I'd highly recommend doing the uh, lifetime membership because before we hit record, we were talking about, well, 10 years down the road from now when our program is blowing up and those prices go up, you can already have grandfathered yourself in there with a lifetime membership. Don't That's have to right. worry about it. So, you know, I'm still kicking myself that I didn't buy those t shirts they used to have that said UTSA football still undefeated <laughs> before we had a football team. You can be repping that right oh, now. Oh, man. I so wish I had one of those. So, if you have one of those, Hang on to it. I want to see you sport it. Somebody posted on Homecoming. Facebook. I'd I, I would say either this somebody. game coming up or the UAB game. Bring it to the game. Because I mean, I'm yeah, anti- bring I, it to the game. I'm, oh, I'm anticipating. Post a picture of you wearing it. I, I wish undefeated. I had that that shirt. No doubt. Well, look, it's going to be really exciting. We are excited to see all of our fellow alumni out there. Should be a really great game. But I want to go ahead and just go and get the interview kicked off with Dean Browning. Really great interview. It's really yeah. cool to kind of get her story of where she came from. Yvonne, you know Joanne very well. I don't know if you had anything in particular you'd like to showcase oh. prior to get her introduced to Runner Nation. No, I just I just love how she has such a great vision for the College of Engineering. And she's really made it come to fruition with all her staff and support. And, of course, producing amazing alumni like Jake here who have gone on to have storied careers. Yes, <laughs> Many, 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 many engineers <laughs> with, with, uh, with stories. With stories. <laughs> 99.9% of, of engineers and alumni have stories. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But yeah, so we're excited. Thanks, Jake, for joining us today. And I think you all will enjoy Dean Browning's interview. Absolutely. Stick around for after the interview as we'll get you uh, updated on more events that are coming up at the Alumni Association and the university. So uh, stick around till the end, and we'll talk to you all soon. Birds up. Birds up. Beep, beep. All right, Yvonne and I just came back from the new edition of the College of Engineering. I got to say, these buildings are pretty incredible. Yvonne, you got to have some envy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The new science and engineering building is gorgeous. It's such a neat space. We we walked through the maker space. We saw the huge machine shop actually was telling Andrew when I was in school here, you had to book the machine shop a long time in advance because they had so many students who needed help and assistance with their builds and stuff. And now there's so much more resources available to them where they can go in there and learn how to use the equipment and the tools and techniques to fabricate what they're building. It's so awesome to see a space dedicated to bringing their visions to life. Well, we're ah, super so excited great. to be on campus with the head of the household of the yes. College of Engineering, Dean Browning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you enjoyed the makerspace. Of I mean, it's really awesome. We had a chance to talk to Dr. Peterson, who's really kind of the man behind the makerspace area. Yeah. 
And following this interview, Yvonne and I will have a chance to kind of tour Go see all some that. more. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Dean Brown, if you would, I mean, I think it's good that we go ahead and start kind of where everything began for you professionally, coming into teaching, going to administration, and then ultimately becoming the Dean of Engineering at UTSA. I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who loves concrete more than <laughs> oh, Dean Brown. Oh, no, we're going to get into that. So we're yeah, going yeah, to hear all about her story. Really <laughs> excited to have her with us today. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, you know, I, actually, I grew up in Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky, but all of my family is from West Virginia. Heavy uh, coal miners. My grandfather was a foreman in the coal mines and made his sons and daughters didn't really work uh, that much back then, but promised not to work in the coal mines. Um, So they went into construction and electronics. So I think there was a little influence there. And, And the other side was all educators. Everyone pretty much ended up working in the schools, became teachers, principals, and so on. So my father left West Virginia because he became a Christian minister. And so he left everyone else pretty much stayed close to home. Not very many people would leave the family area. And so I grew up, you know, around, you know, minister and and teacher. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. One thing I knew I did not want to do was teach. (laughs) I, I was sure of that from the beginning. I wanted to do something where I could solve problems, really making an impact. And so that's why I picked engineering. But I actually didn't even know anything about engineering until I was a junior in high school. I liked math and science. I was really good at it. But I also loved music. I, I played the oboes and the youth orchestra. And it was important to me to do both. I wanted to be an engineer, but I also wanted to continue playing music. So I ended up going to the University of Kentucky, where I could do both. I had opportunities other places, but they really wanted me to focus just on engineering. So it makes it nice for when I talk to people who are from close by and are interested in going to UTSA. And that's a, that's a great path. You right. can really find yourself, because that's what the university experience is about, is really mm-hmm. finding yourself. Yourself. And mm-hmm. even though you might be in the same region, it's a completely different life when you go to college. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think I finished my degree as an undergrad, and I just felt like I didn't know enough. And so I kept going to get my master's. I got an NSF fellowship, so I went to Purdue to get my PhD. And even up until the end of my PhD, I wasn't sure I wanted to, to teach. I was kind of nervous about the research part of it. And I think that happens a lot. It's very intimidating. And there's not as many women faculty in engineering, and I think that was intimidating as well. But when it came down to it, I had a, had a job offer in Chicago, you know, designing high rises for a very great firm there, which was a, sort of a, oh, a wow. dream. Wow. Or I had a couple of job offers in academia. And my advisor at the time, who met a Sozin, was just very influential on me. It's like, I can't believe you would give up this dream job in academia. And, you know, when you get to work with students every year, new students, new minds, new ideas, you get to Yes, dive into things that you're really interested in. And as an engineer, especially as I'm a civil engineer, you also work on things that are very meaningful and impactful to society. You right. know, you're trying to sure. save funds on how many times you have to replace bridge decks and things like that. <laughs> That's where the concrete comes in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, and so it really made me think, oh, maybe I should try this. I, I didn't think I could do it, though. I really didn't, I wasn't sure I could make tenure and do do all those things. So that was sort of the beginning. Was there a, a time when you were going through that process and you started on the academia side? I don't want to say it clicked, but you kind of had that spark of like, you know what, I can really do this. Like, this is awesome. And you really, you know, felt successful. You know, I think the first semester when I got into the classroom, which remember, I never wanted to teach. Right, um, right. Well, I, I was terrified about being up in front of people and, and making a mistake and people, you know, calling you on that or, or just feeling stupid in some way. And plus, I was like 26 and finished my PhD. Oh, and wow. I was, yeah. And I was going to. Wow. And so I wasn't 
too much older than the students. Uh-huh. And so that was pretty intimidating. But I loved it so much. Yeah. And the students were great. They really got into, uh, I was teaching concrete design, a senior class, got into um, just all the different experiences that I had had in looking at uh, different ways to design things and my experience working with the American Concrete Institute. So it was really impactful to see how the things you were working on that felt sort of out there could go into people that were going to go and design the next bridge, the sure. next building. Right. Yeah. You and I met when you first came to UTSA. I mean, I think you were here maybe two weeks. We met at a alumni association breakfast. You know, I was just so drawn to your vision and your passion. But but I will have to say, you know, having been an engineering student myself, and the professors can be very tough. They can be um, not as empathetic as you would imagine maybe some other disciplines being. But I could imagine that you had such a welcoming classroom with the students that you taught and that they would be very drawn to you and that you had that very natural way of showing them that you care about their success as well. So I can just imagine lots of students have come through your classrooms feeling inspired and feeling like you know, they could be successful. It's really funny you say that because I actually tried my second semester. I There was another faculty member who I really admired, but she was much more tough than, you know, very mm-hmm. strong-minded that way. And I thought, okay, I should be like her. I need to be more mm. like that. So I tried that persona in the classroom. It did not work for me at all. And, and <laughs> the students hated it. I hated it. Yeah. It was a miserable semester. And so I that's where you learn you just have to be yourself. Yeah, you know, you okay. have to be true to who you are. And so I don't like making people feel uncomfortable in the classroom. Right. You know, sure. I, it's it's more of how do I get them engaged? So I would take candy and pass it out and reward <laughs> people. You know, if you're going to contribute, I'm going to, you know, really reward you. That awesome. was more the style. But anyways. Well, you spent a considerable amount of time in Kansas, so 16 years yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah. But what brought you over to UTSA? So... I met my husband in graduate school. I should back up to that. Um, And we had the same, actually the same advisor. And he's just amazing. But Adolfo is from Costa Rica. And it was always important to us at Kansas, whenever there were Hispanic students that came through, Mm -hmm. that we tried to, especially Adolfo, give them extra mentoring and talk to them in Spanish and be uh, more inclusive. And so when UTSA reached out to me, um, I had been associate dean for a few years. And the dean who had brought me in to be an associate dean had left to be the provost at LSU and is now the president at Alabama. He told me before he left, you know, Joanne, you should think about being a dean someday. And I don't know about you, Yvonne, maybe too, Andrew. I don't think that I can do something until somebody actually says, well, maybe you should think about that. And then you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe I could. I, I honestly never thought about it before ever. So then that seed kind of starts to grow, right? And so when UTSA reached out, it seemed like a good time. I'd had a lot of experience working on things that seemed like they also wanted to do here. But also the Hispanic Serving Institute was important to us. That was a big draw you know, right. for the family. And San Antonio is just an amazing city. And just this idea of of being someplace where we could grow an engineering program with the community and really provide cutting edge education to uh, majority Hispanic students, but also black and and white and, and all backgrounds was really exciting. At your time at Kansas, the concept of developing procedures that affect cultural transformations, mm-hmm. right? So explain that a little bit more. So it's more like your philosophy of making the classroom more experiential. It's not so much... 
which I think, you know, I was talking to Yvonne before we headed down here was that if I would have known that the College of Engineering was probably a little bit more hands-on, so, you know, Yvonne actually still has all of her textbooks, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Good for you. So, uh, they are so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to move. That's yeah. the reason. <laughs> I, I think that that can be intimidating, right? So I'm, I'm business background went to UTSA, got my business degree, it was never really in my foresight to approach, you know, any sort of science or math classes. That that was not my forte. I knew that going into it. A little bit later on in life, I kind of feel like maybe I probably could have went after something like that. Now, the fact that you are really transforming the classroom and making it more hands-on experience for these students, you know that that's something that needs to happen. How do you implement that system? That's why the whole idea and the group that we're working on, on was around a cultural change and, and it's a, a change of the culture of the classroom is really what we were focusing right. on and I was working with some developmental psychologists amazing folks I still work with them at KU uh, and when I came here they were they said why don't we just keep partnering and bring UTSA in this and it was a group with uh, Vancouver British Columbia University of British Columbia uh, UC Davis University of Colorado uh, Indiana University in Queens so that all of us working together on this looking at different classroom environments uh, but the idea was to focus on learning and how do you make learning front and center? Is outcomes based, uh, and it's something that's very well known in education and in pedagogic circles, but maybe not as much in the STEM fields. We've really had a background of more of the sage on the stage, and and uh, that's the way we learned, and we did well in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so when we become professors, we tend to just teach that way. Well. That's not how everybody learns. So what we were focusing on was how do we work with faculty so they can understand that there's a lot of different learning styles and how do we change that up? And yes, a lot of it is experiential based, mm-hmm. but it's, it's sometimes, yeah, it's getting in the laboratory or getting out into the, the field and doing something and making that so that you're learning through that experience. Right. But it's also getting experience working with others in groups, making it more interactive, more active learning. So flipping the classroom. Now, when I came here, those were really novel ideas that we were working on at KU, they were already working on it here at UTSA. So UTSA has been progressive on, I think, being very centered around student learning mm-hmm. much longer than the country as a whole. Right. Wow. Um, and yeah, I was really impressed with that. Mm. And that was another draw. Uh, it was that that focus on student success. And in it, we didn't always have the history of student success coming through, but boy, we were working on making that better. And you can see now the results of all that work because our student success rates have gone up so dramatically over the last few years. But that's what we were focusing on was how do we turn the classroom into a learning environment instead of a teaching environment. Teaching Mm -hmm. is so much of a a driven from that person out instead of bringing the students in and making sure that they're actually incorporating that material into their being so they can use it later. Mm. I mean, that's how I learn best is hands-on. I mean, I I have to. Even thinking back about the accounting and finance classes that I took when I was in school, when I moved into my professional career, at least I was exposed to it. So I kind of knew what needed to happen, but it took me getting in there and putting my hands on it. Actually, right? yeah, absolutely. And in engineering, there's already a lot of group projects. So we've always brought that in. But many times it's like, well, we'll do all the lectures in the classroom and then you can go do the group project on your own time. So when we flip the classroom, you say, well, go watch the lecture whenever you want. And now there's everything's on YouTube, right? right so yeah. you can Google and find anything you want on how to do that. But let's actually bring that project in the classroom when the instructor has a time to to circulate through and answer your questions in real time. Mm. You know, it used to be at KU all the time, you knew there was a, there was a runner. 
from mm-hmm. the group. So they would work in the library and on their group project or whatever okay. they had, and there was somebody who was designated to come up to your office to ask all the questions who would then go back and feed it to everybody so oh, wow. they could understand. Well, that's like playing telephone, the game, sure, right? Yes. So does it get translated the right way and so on? And plus, the person that comes to ask the question is probably getting the most out of it, mm-hmm. whereas everybody else is maybe more passive about it. So if you make that environment in the classroom, now there's no more the runner, you're there. Right. right. And now you're answering every question. They're hearing it directly from you. And so that's what we were trying to do. Yeah. That's awesome. I've also really, now that we've been talking about kind of how that shift of the classroom approach, a traditional classroom approach to making it more experiential. I remember, you know, in my prior career where I was involved in hiring the interns for a company that primarily came from UTSA, and they would come in and during their interview process would share with us the projects they'd been working on and the really neat things that they were problems they were trying to solve through their creativity. And I just remember really being impressed and thinking back, man, when I was in school, it was all about focusing on the tests and the exams and making sure you understood the material that you were reading out of this book. And there wasn't a lot of time to do these really fun projects. These students were really getting creative about how they were spending their time. So it almost felt more like their interest and their focus. And obviously, as you're speaking here, they were provided more time to really capitalize on their creativity and being able to expand on their problem solving abilities. And then they're also learning the tools and the techniques and the basics for it all the mathematics, the science, all of that to support those ideas. So I was really excited. And it's even clear, I mean, coming to visit during the tech symposiums and Mm -hmm. seeing the projects that these students are tackling, it just feels so much different. When I was in school, it was the things we were studying. It's then, okay, now take this concept and then make a project out of it. Mm -hmm. Or here, it's like, take this real world problem and then figure out the other stuff to solve your problem. But it's almost like along the way. Yeah, you got the creativity and the breadth of being able to do that. And then you apply the math, the science, the physics, everything to getting you to your result. But it's just very inspirational. And did you find as you were hiring interns that had more of that project based learning, did you feel like they were just as prepared or better prepared or as the ones that maybe had just mostly out of the book? I would say they're better prepared because in the real world, you have to to work cross-functionally with people who have experience in materials handling and logistics and accounting and all of these other things that aren't just the engineering discipline. And so having experience doing projects Mm -hmm. and even, I will say this, I was impressed with the students who shared that they had different roles in their projects. So they weren't always saying, I was a project manager. I was a project manager. Because if you were the person in charge of getting all the technical research done, or you were in charge of the budget for your project, getting experience in those different roles in the different projects you did, I think really prepared them well to understand those functions in the real world. And that's that's part of the education too. It's teaching team building Mm -hmm. and how to to put a team together and how to rely on each other and who's responsible for what. So I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So to fill us in on the concrete research that you do, having been loosely working within the construction industry, I know the importance of the research and development of concrete products, what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. What are you working on today and what kind of support do you have here at UTSA to continue your research? Oh, yeah, sure. So my background started, I was interested in earthquake engineering. So I did a lot of work with more of the ground motions and what can you expect in all different parts of the United States. In fact, I focused on the central and eastern United States and mm-hmm. looked about every ground motion there. But it was on how does that impact concrete buildings. 
So I did a lot of simulations and analysis and designs uh, around concrete buildings to resist earthquake motions. When I went to KU, really found that there was a great need for how do we make our concrete more durable, especially with bridge decks. So you can replace a road and you can use a, a shoulder area to, you know, to detour traffic around it. And, and it's not fun, but it's not so bad as when you're replacing a bridge and you have to detour people, you know, off of an exit and around an exit and so on. Now, interstates, we can kind of get around many times, but any other bridge is, is, uh, is quite difficult. So when you're talking about making a bridge last longer, you're talking about making people's lives better mm-hmm. and also spending less money, of course, overall. And so... We worked a, looked a lot at the field implications of concrete deterioration, out on bridge decks, doing surveys, learning how they crack, why they crack, all the different material aspects that go into, um, it's not just materials, it's how it's handled, it's how it's placed, it's how it's finished, it's how it's cured. I would imagine the external aspect of it too, right? So like if you have a bridge down, let's say in Corpus Christi, where the New Harbor Bridge is going up, mm-hmm. with all that salt and, yeah. and humidity and yeah. everything else is going to affect So we had, to, we had to work that mm-hmm. with that quite a bit. We did a lot of corrosion research and reinforcing steel and we looked at different types of reinforcing steel and this was all with Dave Darwin at KU who's a fantastic researcher and partner and we had 19 states that we worked with and, and helped them to redesign their specifications for concrete and for placement for construction so then I got a little bit into construction which was so much fun um, <laughs> and so that that was my background now when I came here I don't have as much time to get in the lab as a dean but I still work with earthquake and a part of the leadership team for it's called the network coordination office for the Natural Hazards Engineering Research Infrastructure. And it's about, oh gosh, we had 10 years where it was about $110 million invested in infrastructure to do large-scale testing around the country, concrete, steel, other places. And now it's another 10 years that's brought in wind as well, not just earthquake. Mm. Um, and so I help to lead that group. I do a lot of the educational pieces okay. uh, for that, and but it's, it's all working with structural engineers. But what I do more these days is work with code provisions. So I'm on the American Concrete Institute's 318 building code. So we write the building code for all of North America, lots of Latin America and Australia and parts of Asia. And that becomes the basis for any municipality to write their codes and their specs for concrete buildings. Um, And I lead one of the subcommittees in that. And for those that maybe be driving down 1604 close to the main campus, you may have noticed that building that popped up and probably some curiosity as to what that testing facility is. Yeah. Uh, can you give us a breakdown of what you guys can do in there? Yeah, sure. That, so that building has UTSA on it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Now. It's our large-scale testing facility. It was built, and it's a one-of-a-kind from across the country. There's lots of large-scale testing facilities, but ours has a much larger capacity in the foundation. And so you can design and build... Um, uh, nearly full-scale specimens and test them under realistic loading conditions, you know, wind or earthquake or just axial loads. And the floor is strong enough to react on as if you had a full foundation in the ground. And so if you don't have that, you have to do some really careful measurements and, and a lot of analysis to sort of back calculate how much flexibility you had at the base versus what you would really have in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. So this gives a much more realistic testing conditions. If you've ever been driving on the freeway and you may have seen those big 18 wheelers that are pulling those concrete beams that yeah, they'll put in beams. precast beams, right, for, for freeways. The, imagine one of those inside this lab and then they're applying, you know, the, the necessary pressures to create the conditions of fatigue until there is a an entire crack in that 
yeah. that beam. It's yeah. it's pretty incredible to watch. We got to see when they had the grand opening and an initial test for it. It was really neat to see how that process works. And, and I imagine students and faculty as well yeah. gaining a lot of valuable insight, being able to test real world size yeah. beams and things like that. Yeah, we test things to their limit so we can understand how they would fail if they okay. were to fail. Mm. Awesome. And then, um, then we try to make sure that that failure mode is one that's more ductile so you have some warning before it. Gotcha. Um, so okay. you can see it deflect before it actually fails. Uh, so that you can go in and fix it. Fix well, yeah, it. make sure people don't get on it. Right. You know, right. um, for example, with the Miami collapse, when, right. when you, there was warning, they did see things happening. I don't know how much warning they had, but you would like to have a lot more warning right. there before right. progressive collapse. And so those are the types of things that structural engineers look into. Yeah. Raising a family, you have four children, I right? Do. Yeah. 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 What's their age ranges, if you don't mind? Sure. So um, one is a sophomore in college this year. One will be a senior in high school. Another is a sophomore in high school. And one that's going to middle school this year. She'll oh be in gosh. sixth grade. Yeah. 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 Andrew and I, being working professionals and spouses, and we are on the newbie spectrum. We have a one-year-old son. <laughs> what are some kind of nuggets of advice you would have for parents sort of trying to balance that being partners in life and family and then focusing on our careers as well? Like, how did all that yeah, no, it's, it's a great questions, and it's going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> no, I, I'm just fun. half joking there. You know, when we got married, we knew we wanted to have a little bit of a, a larger family, so that was mm-hmm. sort of a goal of ours. And but you know, you go get your PhD and so on. So we started a little later than some people would. And I didn't want to get too old down the range. So we had ours fairly close together, the first three at least. And um, I would say having a a wonderful partner is really important. And Adolfo has been uh, an amazing husband and father, and he's all in. And that makes a big difference. So I have to say that first of all. But I also think that making it a priority with your work and make sure people understand that that's a priority for you and trying not to beat yourself up unnecessarily. I think people will give you a lot more grace than sometimes you want to ask for because we're all hard workers. We enjoy our jobs. We want our jobs to be successful. And so it's very easy to put that to the side and say, I have to do this job first. So making a commitment to the family, but also making that known to people you work with is important. I've always had very supportive bosses. So that's huge. Yeah, no different here at UTSA. No, sure. never. And and, uh, and and so we try to bring that into uh, our environment here as well. And, and say people's priorities in your life priorities, that's you. That's part of you. And we want you to be here. And so I think making sure that that's the environment you're in is very important. I think too, and I just want to add this for our listeners, me thinking about being a college student. And, and if you were back in college, you think about the deans of the colleges. They're in these positions that are, are pretty high up in the hierarchy in the, in the university in the grand scheme of things. And it's hard to think about them as relatable, yeah. I guess is, is a good word to say. But you have been one of the most approachable people I've ever met at UTSA in in academia. Kids Um, help with that. (laughs) (laughs) They keep you you humble. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I mean, we've gotten to know each other even on a personal level. And, oh, I got to go run and pick up so-and-so from soccer practice. And -and so-and-so has a flute practice and things like that. It's you think back like, oh, yeah, these deans are also real people that have, you know, lives and families. But you go anywhere here on campus and 
everybody knows Dean Browning. Okay. Everybody loves Dean Browning. I've been here long. Oh, she's, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've seen a lot of, you know, there has been some turnover in some of the other colleges, but it's great. You have made them feel very welcomed to be here on mm-hmm. campus. Like you said, you've been here for a few years now. Yeah. So you're the veteran to bring this other, <laughs> you bring them all into the fold. But yeah, I mean, like I said, you go to other areas of the university outside of engineering, and it's so great to see them also being champions of the College of Engineering. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks a lot to your leadership and your inclusivity and that it's what you guys are doing to succeed here as a college. It's helping the bigger university as a whole. And Well, I, I also think that's the university's goal. I know working with my boss, with Kimberly, she is all about how can you collaborate together. Sure. And um, when you know that it's going to be encouraged and recognized, then it makes you want to do it more. So yeah. I think that's it's also a testament to... Yeah. Well, let's talk about the exciting announcement that came out in June. So a lot of changes happening at the university, downtown being developed, some colleges making the move, some yeah. downtown, which makes, you know, the college of business making this move downtown, the cybersecurity is going to be downtown, mm-hmm. which in my opinion makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. But College of Engineering is also making some some additional changes. Yeah. The official name of the new college is, is College of Engineering and Integrated Design. Mm-hmm. Or seed. So just so the listeners know, when we say seed, that's what we mean. Yes. Um, so what was the reason for moving in that direction? And what did that process look like? Yeah, no, great. Thank you for asking about that, because this is uh, really exciting for us. So since I've been here, I've had a, a strong relationship with architecture with the Dean, Dean Murphy, uh, when he decided to, to move into really doing international programs. And Kimberly approached me about being the interim dean, really just a short term thing. And while well, they looked to see what would happen, I got to know the architecture faculty. They're so amazing. And the construction science and our um, urban regional planning faculty. There was something that I've always known about our engineering side that has been in the back of my mind anyways, was uh, our engineering students need to be around business ideals. They need to learn about project management. And there was a lot more of that in the college that I was working with there. Architects at the same time have a lot of, of the humanities flavor and a lot of art that comes into what they work on. And our engineers need to be exposed to that as well. Sure. It's really important. And then I think the architecture side and, and construction science side have already been working on in urban regional planning, you know, bringing in AI and, and more of the digital aspects of what they work on, even robotics and things. You see a lot of that. So the fields are close together anyways. And another thing I know as being a civil engineer is often in the way teams work is architects need to work with the engineers and and engineers need to work right with the contractors and everyone needs to be able to understand that language and work together seamlessly with respect. So where do we start that? You know, do we wait till they graduate with their uh, their architecture degree and say now you need to go learn how to work with the others, or do we start that in their curriculum in the classroom where we talk about some of these ideals up front and we put them in interdisciplinary teams from the beginning, uh, and they learn how to work as an integrated team before they even get out into the workplace, and then our graduates are are set up to be the leaders of how that works and being those collaborators. Just like Yvonne, you were talking about collaboration being a big part of what mm-hmm. we do in the college. Well, we want our, all of our students to, to embrace that ideal. And when they go out to say, yeah, I'm an engineer, but I fit in with everybody. Yes. I have to work with everybody. Because engineers work in engineering fields, but they work in a lot of fields. Yes. And, yep. and yep. same with our, our architects and our contractors and, and urban planners. And so... Kimberly really decided, you know, I think these two colleges 
should stay together. We started a process where we put together a team and it was almost, it was a little bit more than half engineers and architects, mostly architects and and construction science and, and urban planners, but some engineers were on there as well. And then people from the outside, other disciplines, other colleges to talk about, well, what could that look like staying together in one college? And the motivation you asked is preparing our students mm-hmm. to, right. to be better in the workforce. And, you know, when I talked to architects and, and engineers alike, they, there was so much excitement about that idea. Oh, you can do this before they graduate. Mm-hmm. And so right. um, it, there was a lot of momentum. So we've been a lot of time, like a semester, working on talking to the community and talking inside to our own people and then also doing sort of benchmarking across the nation or across the world on how do these disciplines live together in other places um, before we even move to what could that look like. Right. Um, so it took about a year and a half of planning. But it's so are. exciting because my exposure to the design build world mm-hmm. is you have multiple firms all trying to work together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's bits and pieces of the project that need to be signed off by other groups. Mm-hmm. So getting the students already engaged in even the terminology that's used so they can really kind of click, right? Yeah, speak the same language. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and then from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. the contractors, architects, engineering firms, there's a level of risk that I don't really think is explained. Like you really don't get it until you're out and you're going through a project and <laughs> yeah. understanding, oh, right. So we actually have to have all these coverages in place. And having that experience on working with the engineers, the construction science side of things is project management. Yeah. The business aspect, all that is so, so important, and it's so great to kind of see them lined up. Let's look at the, I guess, the foundation of the college as it sits beginning September 1st, officially. So College of Engineering and Integrated Design, underneath it has the School of Civil Engineering, Environmental Engineering, Construction Management, also has the School of Architecture and Planning, Mm -hmm. and then the Engineering Departments of Biomedical and Chemical Engineering, Mechanical Engineering, and Electrical and Computer Engineering. Mm -hmm. So with the makerspace in the new building, I really kind of get the feeling that that is going to be like an incubator system. (laughs) You know, with the students coming into that new building and seeing the facilities, the labs that are in there, I would get pumped. Yeah, I'm so glad you see that because that's exactly what we wanted it to feel like. We wanted it to feel like a draw and, and, and that that's their home base. So we have a student success center in the college that serves all of SEED now. And we have for the last year, we've been kind of operating this way. And that gives them opportunities to have all their student organizations together. But that makerspace is is more the action, the do, the mm-hmm. let's go have some fun and make something. Another piece to, to that college, you know, as we build a new college, was their oh, amazing engagement with the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, engineers engage with the community. We had mm-hmm. a lot of more almost individual engagements that go on there, but it, the engagement in architecture, construction, and planning was pervasive. It was at a at a root basis with their college. It was part of their identity, and and that's part of our identity now mm-hmm. as Seed is this community engagement piece. And so being downtown, they're part of that community, that right. downtown community. We we can't break that. And so um, we're now in both places. Now, we will have architects that come up here and do things. We're going to have engineers that go down there and do things. So it it makes us more mobile and it makes us connect even better. Oh, wow. So with this new structure, you know, you talked about the engagement piece, the community engagement piece. How does this make us advantageous in getting funding? How Mm -hmm. does this new structure, how will that impact our ability to get funding? Oh, great question. We have been hiring across disciplines for a while. And you can hire people 
people that come in to do research across disciplines. And, and that's where the real research and the funding that we have coming in, it occurs, is at those disciplinary boundaries. When you exist in two different colleges, you can still work together. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. You put everyone in the same college, however, there's no limits to what mm-hmm. you can do. It, it, we all speak the same language. We're going mm-hmm. the same direction. Our vision is to solve grand challenges where humanity intersects the physical world. All of us do that in this Mm -hmm. college. And so now we have architects that work with robotics, and we have electrical engineers and mechanical engineers that work with robotics. They can do classes together, and there's zero boundaries to that. Our students can move, you know, that way. So so the draw for, of course, students that want to get the education is you're going to get integrated, and that's why integration is such a big part of our name, integrated across disciplines from the get-go. And we're going to train you in different areas. So every engineer comes out with some business acumen. Right. And every uh, engineer comes out with understanding with sustainability and how important that is. And every architect graduates with crossing that digital divide from mm-hmm. no matter where they came from. And so that's a big draw for the students, and it's a big draw for research. Mm-hmm. So that's we're existing it, we're living it. When people evaluate your proposals, they're looking at, yes, did they, are they qualified to do the work? But they're also looking at, is this realistic? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you have a culture that's been built around that, then it's it's so much more believable mm-hmm. to those that are actually granting you the funding. Right. Well, I know that we're running short on time, but I, I would like to ask for the alumni that's listening out there. I would imagine there's probably some opportunity for private and public sector to get involved with the college. Oh, yes. So how would you suggest they get in touch with you guys to make stuff like that happen? Oh, Oh, absolutely. Well, you can reach out to anyone in the college and it'll get back to us. Our makerspace is the home for all of our roadrunners. So it doesn't matter if you graduate next year, if you graduated 15 years ago, please feel like that's your home. We love to have people involved with our projects, with our students, mentoring, being involved in our student success center, coming back to talk about their experiences. There is a plethora of ways that you can become involved in mm-hmm. the College of Engineering and Integrated Design today. So please always feel like this is your home. And we do have a fairly new, I don't know, we've been kind of around now for a couple of years, but a new College of Engineering Alumni mm-hmm. Council, mm-hmm. which is essentially it's an entity that helps to really bridge alumni who have moved on. They've done they're doing great things in, yes. in life, but how can we help them get them engaged back with UTSA? Because, like you said, the university could really use our support and mentorship and providing guidance and into students and opportunities, internship and future employment opportunities. So, you know, we'd love to get more alumni engaged. And I'm excited with the new structure of the College of Engineering and Integrated Design in replicating those alumni councils in other areas, oh, in construction science, science and architecture yeah. and all that. So really we'll still excited. have our identity, but we'll yes. still have the, a, a bigger community. Yeah, yeah. Right. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is absolutely one of the places we push people first. Yeah. Yes, I know that there are a lot of great employers in this community, in San Antonio and surrounding areas, some very recognizable names, folks who are hiring UTSA grads, and they've been doing so for years and years and years, and, and newer companies coming on board to seek students. And the idea is you have to have a good pipeline uh-huh. of educated students coming into the workforce. Can you talk just briefly about what are some of the things UTSA is doing to recruit top scholars and students who are really going to be successful at UTSA and set them up for success? Well, our Honors College is amazing. And so we all the colleges partner very closely with our Honors College. And that's a way of getting sort of more of a smaller, higher end education by taking honors classes and being involved in honors activities and so on. We 
certainly have a number of scholarships that we also use to recruit people. Uh, Bill Clessy has been an amazing partner for us, and we have a number of Clessy scholars through chemical engineering. We have an ambassador program that we recruit students in as well. But I also want to emphasize that you know we're here to serve San Antonio and, and this region of the state. So whereas we are bringing in amazing students, and just this past year we had 11 students from our undergraduates that got in National Science Foundation fellowships. Wow. I mean, to get one in the past was huge. So 11. Wow. We had six Goldwater Scholars. I'm going to check that number. That is like the preeminent undergraduate award. National Science Foundation graduate fellowships mean they were going to go to graduate school. So these are the types of accolades that our students are getting now. So you can see that, yes, we are recruiting amazing students and they're doing great things. But UTSA is at home for a, a broad range of people. And things and like abilities. the Student Success Center is, are really offering resources and the support yes. to make sure those students get, you know, whatever assistance yes. they need and be able to set Tutoring. them up for success. We do coding success. camps for free for our students. We do um, different types of skills that they're going to need when they graduate. That they I even need. saw like a soldering class. Yeah, yeah. soldering <laughs> classes. You know, diff- you don't realize how important that is until you got to solder something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as every owner knows, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our students Success Center has been really tremendous. Jill Ford is the mm-hmm. leader of that. She helps to bring the community in, but she also helps to make sure every student is taken care of. That's awesome. Well, Dean Browning, thank you so much for thank your time. You. For those that are listening, we will have contact information in the show notes just to make sure that if you or your business are interested in being involved with SEED, we will have the contact information in the show notes. So please reach out Check to them. Out. Let's mm-hmm. get engaged. The maker spaces are awesome. So do yourself a favor. At least come down and take a look at it so we can kind of understand what it is that we're talking about. Please do. Yes. We'd love yes. to have have you. Thank you so much, guys. This absolutely. was a lot of fun. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Go runners. Beep, beep. So there you have it, Runner Nation, the interview with Dean Joanne Browning with the College of Engineering and Integrated Design. It is really awesome to get just that personal perspective of administration at UTSA, especially with the College of Engineering and Integrated Design. I was really kind of blown away about all that goes into the study of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is hey, well-versed in all that. I mean, concrete touches just about every aspect of our lives. Absolutely. You don't realize it, but it's like we're standing on concrete right now, yeah. just sitting in this room. So yeah. well, I mean, thank the, you, Jake, and all the engineers right. out there who are making this. Uh, yeah. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And then the new testing facility, which is fantastic as well. I, I do really, really want to go there and watch them blow up a beam. They don't blow it up. Well, they, they, they <laughs> To go until it breaks. Well, we're supposed to be building. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, it's fatigue testing. So they smush it oh, okay. until it cracks. See, will, so so I, I come from the college of business side where we would like to over-exaggerate everything. And, and it just wants to blow stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is so cool. And I feel like we'll get more people coming if they think stuff's being blown up. So. Okay. If you want to talk about blowing up, come out November 6th to UTSA because that's the pumpkin smash. Oh, yeah. yes, that's Pump- right. That is one of our engineering events that we yeah. have uh, set Jake's, up. Jake will talk about it here in a little bit later, but that's more that's more in line with your blowing things up. Which is a lot of fun to it go to. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> it is really cool. Um, so after our interview, Andrew and I got to go and take a tour of the new makerspace mm-hmm. that's in the new uh, engineering building. We had a wonderful tour by Dr. Don Peterson. So shout out to him. I really appreciate the walkthrough he gave us. Uh, such an amazing space. Space, a lot of resources, equipment, materials, expertise there on site to help students build their projects and really create a welcoming environment to have more collaboration between engineering students, business students, 
people marketing the products and, and prototypes and all of these new ideas that are coming out of UTSA, which is fantastic. Well, the, the plans that they have for the students, uh, especially when it comes to senior design projects, where ideally, I mean, we're looking at potentially setting up like a bit of a shark tank scenario where if we can combine the different colleges of students where they can come in, there's a product. And now we go through the whole designing a business around it, developing the pitch, and then ultimately pitching it to a group. So, yeah. Jake, I'm sure our alumni council will be talking to your alumni council and, uh, you know, we'll make some things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Stay tuned for all that. Again, if you are alumni and you are part of the alumni councils within each one of the colleges, get involved. That's where you're going to find all the information. I know that once things kind of start getting scheduled and organized, that we'll be pushing it really hard. So we're always looking for alumni to get involved with things like that. So uh, definitely stay tuned. Uh, But thank you again so much to Dean Browning for joining us. And I'm sure we'll have her back on eventually to talk about some more things. And before we hit record on on this episode, we were flipping through the College of Engineering and Integrated Design's website and was blown away by the number of scholarships that they have available. And um, so if you have a student that may be coming into UTSA or is looking at UTSA that is interested in going into all that the College of Engineering and Integrated Design's umbrella falls under, definitely take a look at the website. It is ceid.utsa.edu backslash undergrad dash scholarships is where you'll find that list or just go to the website itself read about and what they have going on currently and stay informed yeah so we have some alumni association events coming up yeah let's do it the next one on october 20th is credit human presenting understanding and building credit this is via zoom so you can go online and register it'll be during a lunchtime kind of 12 to 1 time frame and then career talk on october 21st from 6 to 7 p.m and that'll be virtual and it's around effective salary negotiation so if you're interested in getting more information and registering go to utsa.edu backslash alumni So, Jake, uh, tell us what we got going on at the College of Engineering Alumni Council and I guess the college overall. Yes. Yeah, we have exciting uh, next month. We have a whole slew of events coming up. But tomorrow night or we are going to be getting rowdy to watch our undefeated UTSA football team take on the Rice Owls. We have a great package. If anybody is not a alumni association member yet, our package is $30 and includes a discounted alumni membership, unlimited food. And there's an open bar, so we are going to be getting rowdy. It also includes our prized UTSA engineering polo, which you can get if you are a member of the Alumni Association. Do you have to be a member of the Alumni Council for the College of Engineering for that, or how does that work? No. um, Actually, if you are a graduate under any undergraduate or graduate program under engineering, you are automatically a part of the council, and we invite you to all of our free events that are sponsored by the Alumni Association. That is awesome. So look, that is another reason why it's a great idea for you to go ahead and make sure that your Alumni Association membership is current and valid. And like we said at the top of the show, that lifetime membership is really the best deal when it comes down to it. So yeah. you don't have to worry about it ever again. Actually, I, I still had my, my hard card to get into the alumni uh, tailgate. And it is beat up. So I, <laughs> kind of old. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to update my information. That's my fault. I had to get them my, my new email address. They sent it over, got my digital card, got it on my Google Pay. Now I'm ready to just walk right in and get yeah. screened in and ready to roll. But again, we will be at the SB this Saturday. Jake and I will be uh, within the same area under separate tents, but we're all part of the Runner family. So uh, come and say hello to us as we will be out there that afternoon from two to five before the game. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. I also want to add guest tickets are available for $20 a piece and kids 17 and under 
get in for free. So bring your families, bring your friends, bring everybody. Pack the dome. You had mentioned something about a pumpkin smash in November. Oh yeah, Jake, tell yes. us all about that. Yeah, so first, these events, if you're a graduate, from the University of Texas with an engineering degree, you are part of the council. On October 30th, we are having an engineer barbecue cook-off. The uh, council will be out there and we'll be um, hosting and actually being judges. The barbecue cook-off will be held at Helotus Festival Grounds and tickets can be found online and we'll be posting that on our social medias very soon. And that's October 30th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. On November 6th, from 9 to 1 p.m., we have the pumpkin smash. So, Andrew, if you wanted to... I want to see things blow th- up. Things exploding. <laughs> yeah. This is your day to come on out. Um, they're going to be loading pumpkins on trebuchets and launching them as far as they can. And For, for those that don't know what a trebuchet is, because I always get it wrong on what it's called. Jake, have you ever built one of those? No, no. I'm a civil engineer. Um, I'm making sure <laughs> things don't move. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. And don't explode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so a trebuchet is the medieval boulder thrower. Yeah, uh-huh. so a catapult. The, yeah, so yeah. the the students uh, build these giant trebuchets and launch giant pumpkins like 300 yards. Yeah, it's pretty far. It's pretty awesome. It's like the length of the entire parking lot yeah. out at the Valero parking lot area. And, and there's vendors out there. There's food. Um, it, music. It, there's music. music there's yeah. like There's events for kids and stuff. So it's like a family-friendly event. Yeah. Like, bring your lawn chair so you can sit down and watch the it, it is a good time. It is a good time. Yeah. Also on uh, November 11th, we have uh, the alumni breakfast. This is uh, specifically held with the council. Joanne D. Browning is also going to be uh, there to speak, and you have the opportunity to meet her there. This is for the council. It's a very good opportunity to uh, network together, and um, students are also invited. It's um, on campus at UTSA, November 11th, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. and yeah. breakfast will be included. So this is your chance to meet Dean, Dean Browning. Browning. Yes, great yeah. opportunity. On the uh, interview, so make sure that when you do go and you do go introduce yourself to Dean Browning, that you let her know that you listened to the episode. Yeah, she really love that. Yeah, absolutely. That about wraps it up on the events. Yes, that wraps everything up we have for the next month, and there's more to come. So uh, stay tuned on all of our social medias on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over, and uh, we can't wait to see you. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Absolutely. Love it. It's, it's good to get such a highly esteemed College of Engineering alumni Yeah, former involved. SOSA member, too. Yeah, like exactly. A legend. So, I mean, here. you're just all things UTSA right Woo-hoo. now. Woohoo! Yes. I mean, if there, if, there is, if there is a Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. UTSA alumni, I, I mean, I would oh, vote yeah. for you. Oh, yeah. It's I'll Jake right it. here. I would, vote for you. I would vote for you and Yvonne, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and some quick shout outs to the other sports. UTSA Volleyball sweeped UAB. UTSA Women's Soccer beat Marshall 3-0. to zero. So seeing that shutout was fantastic. Women's Softball posted their fall schedule. First game against Texas State. Man, October I gotta get to 22nd. that one. And that's Coming at up. home. It's a Friday, so if you can make it out to the fields, we suggest that you get out there. Shout out to also Women's Tennis for beating Baylor, SMU, and Texas Tech in the finals. And uh, UTSA men's and women's golf is killing it right now, too. So uh, good luck to them on the tournaments they have coming up and representing UTSA Roadrunner Nation. Wow. It's a lot. We're we're dynamic. We're a dynamic We are taking over the state. We are. (laughs) We are. We just rock. Yeah. (laughs) Highly capable individuals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess one more. Uh, UTSA men's rugby does play this Saturday at 6 p.m. They are playing at the campus. And then there is an alumni game coming up in December, and I'll keep you posted because I've, I've already threw my hat in the ring to be the coach of the alumni team. So we're going to see how that goes. Speaking of things going to exploding, I might have to yeah, come, come yeah. watch uh, <laughs> watch Drew's team. <laughs> we're we're going to have to talk about whether or not I'm going to just coach or if I'm going to be a player coach when we get closer to the date. So we'll see. 
Anyways, we'll talk more about that on the next episode. So, catch y'all on the next one. All right, Runner Nation, we'll see y'all on Saturday. Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and tell all of your friends who are alumni as well to listen to the show. Don't forget to subscribe so you get the notifications that a new episode is out. We are dropping new episodes every other Friday at 6 a.m. Stay posted. We have some great interviews coming your way. We appreciate y'all. And birds up. Birds up. Birds up. Birds up.